Would you go to Hebrews, the sixth chapter, again? Anybody know what we've been talking about? You ready to take some more? Hmm? Well, the Lord knew what to talk to us about, didn't he? I mean, in the weeks leading up to what's going on with us now, diligence, and then on Sunday, faith to receive. So isn't it time to believe you receive and claim harvest, and it's also time to be diligent and stay after it, and uh, God is faithful. He's faithful. If we listen to him, he always has us ready. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to his saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Somebody say to the end. What does that mean? Till it's done. Till it's done. And you have, you know, if it was always easy and if you always felt like it, he wouldn't have to tell us be diligent. Would he? Things, bigger jobs and things that last longer, no matter what they are, spiritual and natural, you can get weary day after day, week after week, month after month, sometimes year after year. But what did he say do? Show the same diligence you started out with. You started out like a house of fire. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stir that up and stay with it till it's done. Till it's complete. Everybody say, till it's done. Till it's done. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then he tells us about Abraham. And verse 15 says, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It took a while. There were some years involved. But he was diligently believing God and diligently obeying God year after year after year. If you want to study something that's inspiring and interesting, you see, this man, Abraham, our father in the faith, and Moses are two great examples that every time God told them to do something, you know what the next verse says? And so did Moses, just as the Lord told him to. And Ab- I mean, the Lord told Abraham, go take your son up and offer him up. Next morning, early, he's up and the mule is saddled. They're on their way. Again and again, you see both of these individuals, others like them too. But just especially with Moses sometimes, because there's so much instructions that God gave him about the, the tabernacle. And the Lord instructed Moses, and so did Moses. And the Lord told Moses, do this, and Moses did that. And the Lord said, Moses, do this, 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 and Moses did this, 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 this. Somebody say diligent. And he stayed after it until it was all done. And this applies to what we're doing right now, but it applies to the whole call on the rest of our life. I know we think, you know, 10 years is a long time and 20 and 30 and 50 years is a long time. It's not. It's not. The Bible said it's a vapor. It's a little puff of smoke, a little wisp. Now you see it. Now you don't. That's your in my life. And soon and very soon it'll be done. We'll be done with what we're doing down here. And oh, won't we be glad if we were faithful, if we were diligent. 
Won't we be glad? Don't be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let me remind you. Well, let me read this first. The NIV on this says, we don't want you to become lazy. But uh, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what was promised. Romans 12, 11, don't turn there, but Romans 12, 11 says, don't be slothful in business, but be fervent in spirit. Somebody say fervent. Can you be fervent even if you're tired? Can you still be fervent? Yeah, you can. I mean, your, your arms might be drooping a little bit, your eyes might be a little bloodshot. But you can still, in your heart, you still got the fire. (laughs) Somebody say fervent. Fervent. Diligence, we gave you some uh, definitions of this. One definition of diligence is vehemence, being earnest, being fervent like we just read, being eager, being determined, doing things promptly, doing things early, at dawn, doing things with speed. We've talked about a number of things, what it means to be diligent, but I want tonight for us to get into the rewards of diligence. Can you take some of that? Does it pay to be diligent in the things of God? Have you got something good to look forward to when you've been diligent? Well, right here in our text, notice what it said. After Abraham had patiently endured, what happened? Did he get the reward? Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. Go to the 10th chapter. The 10th chapter of Hebrews and the 35th verse. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of what? Reward. Reward. See, he said that we're to maintain that confidence steadfast to the end to be diligent And if you hold on to that confidence and stay diligent with it, it has a great recompense of reward. Somebody say reward. Reward. You're right by the 11th chapter. Just look straight down at the 6th verse. Hebrews 11 and 6. What does it say? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Well, then these people that make fun of faith are just uh, not too smart. Didn't say it was hard to or it's impossible. You can't please him at all without faith. Means if you didn't pray in faith, your prayer didn't please God. Means if you didn't do what you did in faith, if you didn't sow your seed in faith, nothing you do is acceptable or pleasing to him unless you did it. In faith, if this is true and you know it is, there it is right there in the Bible, then you and I ought to be very interested in faith. Faith. And people can mock us, make fun of us if they want to, but we're going to stay with it. It's going to be faith in the morning, faith at noontime, and faith when the sun goes down. What's that another way of saying? Pleasing God in the morning, pleasing God at the noontime, pleasing God when the sun goes down. When we learn how to do what we do in faith, it pleases God. Now keep reading. It tells us some very specific applications of this truth. For he that comes to God must, must believe that he is. 
that he is, that he exists, and that he is God. And you got to believe something else. What else must you believe? Now notice this, this is something huge portions of the church have completely missed. They believe God is, don't they? And they believe God is God. They believe he's all powerful. He's everywhere. He's all knowing. Oh yeah, he's God almighty. They believe in him and they believe he's God. But they don't believe the next part. And the Bible said this is mandatory. It's not optional that you believe this. Is everybody listening now? Is it okay to just believe that God is and that's it? No, you must. Everybody say must. You must believe this in order to please God. What must you believe? Got to believe he is and you must believe that he is a rewarder. Rewarder. Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Somebody say rewarder. Is reward good or bad? Good. Reward's good. Good. Reward is blessing. Reward is goodness. Reward is increase. Promotion. Needs met. What is that? That's you believing God is a good God. He'll deliver you. He'll protect you. He'll heal you. He'll fill you with the Spirit. He'll prosper you and fill your house with treasure and make you rich, give you a good marriage, help get your kids straightened out. And yet we got millions of the church, church world organized that say, well... I believe in God. He is the Almighty. But when you start talking about Him being good to you, well, you just never know what God's going to do. See, they don't believe this, do they? They believe God is, but they don't believe that He is a good rewarder of everybody that diligently seeks Him. Said out loud, when I seek God, With diligence, diligence. good things things. happen to me. me. (laughs) (laughs) When I serve God diligently, good things happen to us, don't they? Well, you just don't. Yeah, we know. We can read the Bible and we were told that we have to believe it. Must. Well, if we just got this tonight, it changed lives. According to the Bible, we must believe a couple of things here. It's not volitional. No choice about it. Well, the choice is to be unpleasing to God. And for us, that's not a choice. Right? We've already made our choice. So we must believe these two things. We must believe God is. A lot of Christians are on that. They got that. Okay. But they're coming up short in this one. And you must believe that he is a rewarder. Of who? Not people that try it for three days. Huh? No. No. 
Not people that play with it. Just talk about it. Who? People that seek him and then what do they do? Keep on seeking him. People that stand and then what do they do? They keep on standing. People that believe and then what do they do? They keep on believing. They do it diligently. They do it with passion. They do it eagerly. They do it promptly. They do it continuously. What will happen to every one of them? They get rewarded. Rewarded. And the rewards are now and here and then and there. Both. Both. I could show you half a dozen scriptures to that effect. But it's both. Somebody say both. Both. The scripture says, Timothy, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And you know what the Lord told the rich young ruler? He told him, he said, uh, talking to them when he wouldn't do it, you know, liquidate what he had and follow the Lord. And the Lord told them, he said, whatever you let go of for the kingdom of God's sake now and this time, you'll receive, uh, one said many fold, one said a hundred fold now in this time and in the world to come, eternal life. Somebody say both. both. Now in this time, now in, this time. In, this life, in this life, we're quoting scripture on that. And in the world to come, what? Rewards. Blessings, benefits, benefits. We must believe that in order to please God. Somebody said out loud again, I do believe God's a good God. He's a blesser. He's a rewarder. He'll heal you, deliver you, protect you, bless you, meet your needs, make you rich. I believe it. We believe it. He's a rewarder. Somebody say rewarder. See, people that are mocking us about us being faith people, they're ignoring that the Bible told them, just like he told us, they have to believe this. Someone said, well, you don't have to believe that. Well, he said you did. If you're going to please God, you have to believe he's a good God that blesses and rewards those that diligently seek him. Must believe it. Well, I'm convinced. I believe it. I know I can believe it stronger, but I believe it. I can look back just a little ways in my life and see it's already been happening. How about you? That we've sought him. And with some diligence, you know, I'm sure we could all tighten up some, but I'm telling you, it's obvious to me, he's been a blessing. Rewards. Anybody have any rewards in your life? Could you testify? Could you stand up right now and say, hey, he's blessed me. He's rewarded me. He's done some good things for me. Well, then let's keep on being diligent. Let's keep on diligently seeking him and serving him. And obeying him. Now before we go further into this. Let me uh, remind you of something. Before we talk about the rewards of diligence. Let's talk about the rewards of slothfulness. (laughs) Because it has rewards too. (laughs) But they're not good rewards. 
We've already saw some of them, but let me remind you of them. The Bible said, among other things, in Proverbs 24, 30, that one of the rewards of slothfulness is that everything grows over and falls down. Everybody say, growing over and falling down. He said in Proverbs 24, 30, I went by the field of the slothful, and it was all grown over with thorns. Nettles had covered the face, and the stone wall was broken down. He said, I saw and considered it well. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that traveleth and your want as an armed man. What are some of the rewards of slothfulness? Everything grows over, everything falls down, and you get poor. Well, what about diligence? That'd be the opposite of it. Let me remind you. Proverbs 19.15, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. We studied in the New Testament where it said if you didn't work, you shouldn't eat. And so slothful, what's the reward of slothfulness? You're going to go without. You're going to want. You're going to lack. Didn't say it might happen, said it would happen. Also, The Bible said, he becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. Put that up, Proverbs 10, verse 4, because this shows the other side of it. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. So what's one of the rewards of uh, slothfulness? You become poor. How many of this verse is just as true as any of the other verses in the Bible? But look at the latter part of it. But the hand of the diligent will at least have their bare minimum needs. No, it said maketh rich. R-I-C-H. It's not a dirty word. Four letters, but not a dirty word. Rich. Come on, somebody needs to say rich. Rich. Say it out loud. Rich. Rich. Say it again. Rich Rich. is a Bible word. Rich. You'd think it was a cuss word, the way some people act. I had a fellow meet me one time out in the parking lot after a sermon I preached. I thought the guy's going to take a swing at me. He was so mad, he could just spit nails. And it was because I kept saying, rich, rich. God wants you to be rich. God will make you rich. Oh, it made him mad. Why would it make him so mad? Why would he care? If we got rich, why would he care if he got rich? (laughs) People are supernaturally angry about these things. There's something more than just them. Have you noticed it? Why would you care? What is it to them? There's people have written us ugly letters. They don't go to church here. They don't live here. In one sense, this is nothing to them. Why would they care what we do? But they do. (laughs) But I found it in the Bible. The Lord, though he was rich, R-I-C-H, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might be 
made rich, rich, rich. That's redemptive, substitutionary language. Just like he bore your sin. Just like he bore your sickness. Just like he carried the chastisement of our peace. The Bible said he became poor with our poverty. I know it hadn't been preached much, but it's right there in the Bible with everything else. Reads the same way. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's not barely getting along. That's enjoying stuff. Somebody say rich. 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 Yeah, but what if you're lazy? You can forget rich. Talking about God making you rich. He that deals with a slack hand, he becomes poor. That's Bible and that's true. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 20 verse 4. 20 verse 4 said the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. So he'll beg in harvest and he will have nothing. Proverbs 12 24. 12 24. The hand of the diligent shall what? Let me tell you that another way. Be in charge. But the slothful shall be under tribute. They won't be in charge and they'll have to pay. Boy, here's another good reason to be diligent. (laughs) If you'll be, and this is the word of the Lord to a number of people here and watching by internet right now. If you'll grab hold of these truths. You Some have begun already, but if you will be diligent and continue to be diligent in not too many days forward, you'll have your own. The Lord's going to bless you and promote you, and you'll come to the place where you'll be in charge of some things instead of you always being under. Is it Bible or not? It's by, if you act on the Bible, you know it's true. Let me read it again. Put it up there. The hand of the diligent shall what? Bear rule. Be in charge. The slothful shall be under tribute. But let me remind you of something the Lord said. He said, if you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? I know uh, Phyllis and I served with the Hagens for 20 plus years. And uh, in the transition of us coming out here, the Lord had said to us, said, I'm going to give you your own now. Now, not ours in the sense that we own it. We've already talked about that. But ours in the sense that we have the oversight of it. But we served under others for decades. And if we hadn't have been faithful, at least in some degree, with theirs, what they were overseers of, we wouldn't have qualified. Wouldn't have been qualified to have oversight ourselves. But is it true that if you'll be faithful and diligent in what is another's, God will give you something that you'll be over and bless you and increase you and prosper you? Is that a reward? That's a big reward. I said, that's a big reward. There are people under the sound of my voice right now that you're not very far of not having to punch a clock anymore. Not that that's wrong. 
It's just that God, if you'll continue to be diligent and believe him, he's going to free you up, put you in a different situation. Now, let me tell you, though, something that the Lord told me years ago. I was doing some things, helping other people. I was doing tasks I would not have chosen to do. I did not think it was my grace, but nobody asked me about that. And it was work, and it was a lot of it. But what the Lord told me to do was to do the job, whatever that entailed. And so we did it year after year after year. And there were times when I felt like I I would like to do some other things if I had the freedom, if I had the time, but I had to go do this. And so we kept doing that. But the Lord told me one time, driving in the car, I don't mean I heard an audible voice. He said, son, the more valuable your time becomes to me, the more I'll free it up. Now he talks to you like you understand. Did you understand what he was saying to me? Now, see, there's a lot of folk, if the Lord freed up their time, they'd just watch more TV. It's true. <laughs> so, I mean, why does he need to move and change things? They wouldn't, you know, what would you do with more time? You'd do the same thing you're doing with what you got right now. That's right. That's not my words, that's his. If you're faithful in the least or the little bit, you'd be faithful in more. Oh, listen now, this is a word of the Lord. If you will be diligent so that your time becomes more and more valuable to the Lord, he will free it up. He will loosen you from things that have taken up a lot of your time. He will free you from doing things that you had to do before. And he will loosen up. I mean, in our life, we did what we knew how to do. But the Lord has multiplied our time, I don't know, a thousandfold at least. He's given us tools, jet airplanes that save whole days out of our life, TV and radio and internet where you can preach all over the world at the same time. How much time would it take to do that? But see, it didn't happen until our time became more valuable to him. That is what we were doing with it. A lot of people want their time freed up. But their time is not valuable to the Lord, what they're doing with it. Oh, can you see this? Can you hear this? I'm telling you, it is the desire of the Lord and it is planned for all of us. He's speaking specifically to a number that if you'll just be a little more diligent and you'll stay with your diligence, he's going to loosen you up. He's going to pay this off for you and pay that off for you and pay that off for you. You won't have to work like this. You won't have to do that. You'll find yourself with some time and some ability and freed up. And the more valuable your time continues to be with him, he'll just keep giving you tools and contacts and favor and money. Why? Because your time's valuable to him. And he'll give you your own. The diligent will bear rule. Thank you, Lord. Turn to Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, please. Let's talk just a little bit further about the rewards of laziness. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll completely switch gears here to the, just the diligent side. But uh, 
Is there a reward to being slothful and lazy? Yeah, and it's all bad. I mean, you're going to be poor. You're going to do without. You're going to desire and want but not have. You're always going to be under other folks. You're not going to have your own. Hmm? But in Ezekiel, notice another reward, if you'd call it that. Negative thing of being slothful. Ezekiel 16 and 49. Ezekiel 16 and 49. It says, Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom, pride. Now we talked about that last week, didn't we? Pride, fullness of bread. And what else? Abundance of idleness. And that's one of the specific definitions of slothfulness is to lean idly. Idly. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. When we've got extra, what should we be thinking? How to bless other folk. Not like the man who said, you know, his crops brought forth abundantly. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. My barns won't hold all this. I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build bigger barns. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. You know, just enjoy yourself. And then came the word of the Lord to him. You fool. You're going to die tonight. You're out of here. And whose is all this stuff going to be that you're saving up for yourself? James talks about people, especially who took things wrongfully and took advantage of people and took their stuff. And then it's just sitting there. They're not even using it. That uh, the rust of that stuff was going to testify against them in the day of judgment to come. You know, it's sad that so many people are seeing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to do things for the kingdom of God, the people of God, the poor, and they're so afraid that they just hold on to their piles and they got stuff they ain't used in 10 years, 20 years, but they wouldn't sow it to somebody for anything. Oh, that's mine. That's mine. Not realizing in a few days, you're going to be gone. You're going to be out of here. And then what's going to happen to your stuff? No, if you're smart. If you're smart, you won't be overly attached to anything. It's all just stuff. It's all just stuff. They make new ones every day. New ones are improved. Yeah, but I worked hard for that. Yeah, but the other one could come easy. The next one could just come real easy. (laughs) You could come to a higher level of operation here. (laughs) It bothers me if I have nice stuff that just sits for long periods of time and I don't use it and I don't have a desire to use it. I get to thinking somebody would enjoy that. Somebody could be using that. I got three of them and somebody's got none. Makes me start looking around. Start thinking, Lord, where can I sow this? And uh, I know some of the other brothers that, and sisters that Phyllis and I are friends with that have ministries and large ones and, and different size. We'd laugh sometimes how much money comes through the ministry. But that's what it does. It just comes in the front door and just goes right out. 
Why? Our job is not to stockpile. In fact, it'd be a reproach. If I've lived out my life and I left and there's all this money and resources that's been in our accounts in the ministry for 20 years, that could have been doing something in the kingdom of God. Are you listening? And we don't need to do things mindlessly and we don't need to be moved by needs or guilt or condemnation, but we need to be open realizing we're just here for a few days and we're not going to take any of this stuff with us and we need to be doing what the Lord tells us to do with it. You believe it? I do. What happened here? Fullness of bread. And what else? Abundance of idleness. What's one of the results of slothfulness? Sin. I said sin. What do you mean, Brother Keith? What do you do when you don't do anything all day? When you're not doing what you should be doing, what are you doing? Now think about this. If the Lord told you get up and go to work, but you stayed home to goof off. How many understand you are now out of the will of God? You are at a place you're not supposed to be, even if it's your own home. You're not supposed to be there right now. You're supposed to be somewhere else, which means you're out of the will of God. And out of the will of God is right where the devil wants you. Because now you're more subject to temptations. You have opened the door. You've actually invited him to come bother you. You don't want to do the will of God, so he's got something else for you. How about this? How about that? And you're bored. Bored people are not doing the will of God. It's not like there's nothing for us to do. When you're bored, it's not, people try to say, well, I don't have anything to do. That's a lie. (laughs) You know you got something to do. You just don't want to do that. So you're bored. And through abundance of idleness, it opens the door to the devil in people's lives. And while they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing They wind up doing things and getting involved in things and they shouldn't have been doing. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And sin and iniquity and it can go from worse, bad to worse. But you and I have made the decision we are not going to seek the rewards of the slothful. We don't want any of that. So we are not slothful. We're going to be... Diligent. Somebody say diligent. 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 Say it again. Diligent. Diligent. Say it again. Diligent. Diligent. What does diligent mean? Remind me. What does that mean? What kind of person are you then? Fervent. Passionate. Eager. Promptly. Quick. Speedy. Well, let me tell you what's in your future then. Are you ready? Can you take some of it? You don't have to turn there, but listen. 2 Chronicles 15.7. 2 Chronicles 15.7 says, Be strong and don't slack off. This is the century. Your work will be rewarded. The NCV says, the new century says, Don't give up. You will get a reward for your good work. 
The CEV says, don't give up. God will honor you for obeying him. How many know if God said it, you can count on it? What does that mean? There's no chance that you might be diligent and nothing happened for you. Not even remotely. That you might be diligent, 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 obey God and please God. And then, you know, he can just kind of forget you and nothing good happened for you. No, we, our text said he is not unrighteous to forget. He will remember. And what else do we know? He will reward you. He will. You stay with it. You stay after it. You be diligent. You will be blessed. Proverbs uh, 11 and 18. Proverbs 11 18. The wicked works a deceitful work. But to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward. Somebody say sure reward. Psalm 1911. 1911, talking about in keeping of God's word, there is great reward. Great reward. Turn to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Say it out loud while you're turning over there. I believe God is. I also believe God is a good God. A rewarder of everybody that diligently seeks him. Proverbs 28 and 20. 28, 20. Are you there? What does it say? A faithful man shall what? Abound. How many like the sound of that? How many would think abounds more than a few? Abound. Abound with blessings. Abound. Let me read that to you from another translation or two. The Living Bible says, The man who wants to do right will get a rich reward. The Young's literal said, A steadfast man. Did you hear that? Steadfast man. Has multiplied blessings. I think we ought to say that a time or two. A steadfast man has multiplied blessings. The message Bible says, the message, verse 20, committed and persistent work pays off. Somebody say it pays off. Pays off. Does it pay to serve God? Oh, yes, it does. Pays richly. And when does it pay? Both here and now. And then and there, there and later. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Go to the book of Ruth. I want to remind you of an excellent example of somebody that was diligent and somebody that got rewarded. Anybody ever read Ruth? Remember Ruth? No doubt there's a lot of stories about widows and daughter-in-laws throughout the ages and generations. But God picked this one out of all the millions of them, didn't he? He picked this one and he made it part of the Bible and held it up for us as an example forever. 
I want us to just read through a little bit of it and remind ourselves. So just go ahead and turn and find the book of Ruth. You know where it's at? Where is it? Well, Judges. Can you find Judges? Or it's right before you get to 1 Samuel. Ruth, chapter 1. This story began on a sad note, didn't it? Ruth's husband has been killed or died. And uh, the head of the family, which her mother-in-law's husband, is dead. And her sister-in-law's husband is dead. And particularly in those days, a family without any men could be a devastating thing. It could mean starvation. And they, you can tell they're about in that place. They're in desperate straits. And so the girls are still hanging around with their mother-in-law. And she tells them, you know, no need to stay with me. There's nothing you got to look forward to here. I mean, if I had a husband tonight, which I don't, and I conceived and had a son, you're going to wait for him to grow up, to marry, and there's nothing here for you. So go back to your people. See if you can get some help there. So one of the girls kissed her and said her goodbyes and left. But Ruth. Somebody say, but Ruth. But Ruth, verse 15 When she told her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Now, this is significant. Now, don't you think that's interesting? She's been in a family that worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now the Bible tells us that when she leaves this family, she's going to go back to the gods that they worship. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, uh, expression he used. He said a lot of people are just anybody's dog that'll hunt with them. <laughs> what does that mean? Just anybody's dog that'll hunt with them. What does that mean? Well, whoever they're with, that's what they are. Right. Whoever they're with. If there were sinners, they're sinners too. If they were church folk, they're church folk too. But you need to know God for yourself. To the point that if everybody you know quit serving God, you're not going to go back. You know, you see, and it's sad that you see that leaders have fallen. You know what the biggest problem with leaders is? They're like you. (laughs) That's their biggest problem. Is that they're mortal and they got flesh just like you do. And anything you can yield to, they can yield to. Don't care what kind of calls on their life, what kind of revelation. I don't care how God used them in the past. Every day is a new day. And if you want to get up and yield to your flesh, you can mess up. And there have been many leaders that have fallen and have messed up. And you see, sometimes when this happens, churches just disintegrate. And you see sometimes half the church just leave and not go to church anywhere. Just quit serving God. Well now just because a man of God or woman of God failed you. Doesn't mean God failed you. Why don't people have enough sense to know that? A lot of them don't. You see so many they just lose confidence in the Bible. And lose confidence. That's ignorance. 
No man or woman saved you. No preacher that you've known and seen. God sent his son. He did it. He's the one that loved. And if every man you know fails you, that man sitting at the right hand of the father never will. Never will. So why would you quit him? He's never lied. He's never failed. Say it out loud. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to live for the Lord. No matter what other people do. Do you mean that? That includes people close to you. That includes people you got confidence in. The psalmist said, even when my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He said, I still got the Lord. Even if the people closest to me that I thought would stick with me, even if they don't. You know, Jesus said that. One of the roughest nights of his life. He said, all of you will forsake me. And are leaving me. These are people that he's been with close. And Peter and James and John and all these guys. He said, all of you leaving me. He said, yet I am not alone. Because the Father who sent me, he's with me. How many made up in your mind and heart? You are not falling off your chair and losing confidence in God just because some man or woman fails. No, we're in this forever. We're going to believe God and serve God and obey God no matter what. No matter what. Because he'll never leave you. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. Well, she went back to her gods. Interesting, isn't it? You know, it really matters what environment you stay in. Doesn't it? I've seen people that never would have thought. They'd have backslid and got away from God. But they got out of good influences. Got away from godly influences. Got out, actually got out of the will of God from where God put them and where they were supposed to be. And then they're running with people that don't love God. And month after month, I mean they might have held out for a while. But month after month it takes a toll on you. And he that walks with wise men will be wise. But a companion of fools will be destroyed. The Bible's true. You can't just run with just anybody and everybody and do anything and everything and choose where and when you want to be. You need to be where God puts you. Stay around the people God hooked you up to. Right? Your company. Somebody say, my company. Your company. And, you know, we talked about that earlier. Your church. Well, somebody said, well, I don't think this is my church. Well, then you need to quit messing around here and find your church. I'm serious. Man, we got too many folks that just bop around from here to there, here to there, and they try this and bless me, and if they're not excited enough, they go somewhere else, and, and they don't help with anything. They're not a contributing part of anything. And people think, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, ask the Lord. That's what he thinks about it. You need to have your company and your church. And your family. We're all part of the same body of Christ. But there's a particular bunch. You're supposed to be hooked up with. And if you hadn't found it. Don't you rest till you do. Because so much of your life. Is tied in with this. You can't prosper fully. Outside the will of God. Your marriage can't be like it's supposed to be. Your kids can't be like they're supposed to be. Your health and your mental health can't be like it's supposed to be out of the will of God, outside where you're supposed to be. 
I'm imploring you, find where you fit. And get in there and get hooked. And then don't let anything or anybody else offend you and knock you out. If you do, you're foolish. You're letting the enemy rob you and steal from you. You know, we've had the privilege of serving with uh, people, fine people, and the Hagans and and with other ones in ministry. But year after year after year after year, you could find something that you didn't like and that you could be miffed about or something that didn't go exactly the way you thought that you should. And if you get miffed and jump out of the will of God, now you've got to go all the way to hook to the next thing. And now you're out here in limbo. Just wallowing around, doing your own thing, not making any progress, and getting weaker and more carnal by the day. No, none of us are to be islands unto ourselves. None of us are able to just me and Jesus. That's all I need. Nope. The Bible said God has joined us together. Hasn't he? And that we're to have the same care one for another. We require one another. To do what we're called to do. I can't do it by myself. Ten of us can't do it by ourselves. We need you. You need us. We come together. It strengthens us. And the day you might be a little weak. Might be the day I'm strong. And if I'm feeling not 100% later on. Might be the time you're real strong. But if we stay together. We got strength with us. All the time. Can you see this? You need your company. You need your church. You need your place. I know there's a lot of people who don't believe this. But don't take my word. Search the scriptures for it. Look at the Bible. Believe the Bible. He said don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And he describes how that we're joined to different body parts. And through that union there is a supply of the spirit. So if you don't know your place. Find it, find it, and don't waste time about it. Quicker you get in, quicker you get hooked, quicker that you get to work, the quicker you're going to be blessed and begin to reach your full potential. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, Ruth had found her place. Come on now. The money was gone. There was no money. Didn't look like there was any future for her, but she knew it in her heart. She knew it in her heart. She had found her place. Didn't she? All she's looking at is a widow woman without a dollar. And the woman's trying to get her. Leave. I ain't got nothing for you. I can't support myself much less you. Leave. Do like your sister did. Go back to your folks and to their gods. Read it. Read it. Verse 16. Ruth said... I wish you'd quit saying that. (laughs) That's Arkansas. Or Mississippi. Entreat me not to leave you. Or to return from following after you. For where you go. I will go. Where you lodge. Where you live. Where you stay. That's where I'm staying. Your people are going to be my people. And your God is my God. I have already decided this. I ain't got anything to go back to. No, I'm no. Don't tell me to go back to them gods. I ain't going back to them gods. I have met your God and he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And I know there ain't no money. And I know there ain't no future that you can see. But 
this is my place. This is my place. I'm with you. Here we go. Thick or thin. Feel good, feel bad. Popular or unpopular. Don't ask me to leave. Don't ask me again. I'm with you. And how many know, reading the rest of the story, she was. She wasn't just talking. So, she went on to say, where you die, I will die. I'm in this thing from now on with you. God joins us together with each other. Divine destiny. Divine joinings. I'm convinced they last beyond this life. In Ecclesiastes, it says, whatever the Lord does, it shall be forever. He sees the end from the beginning. And we're to love everybody in the body. We're not to be so foolish that we think we're the only thing going on. I mean, dear me, there are just millions of ministries and churches and works that are doing outstanding things for God. But God didn't join us to all of them. I know when I was in Ramah teaching in the school and I didn't have a lot of higher education and I felt like I needed to be more studious to make up for it and so I I'm preparing for a class and I'm reading other books and I'm trying to be thorough and I'm getting you know into the hard to read stuff (laughs) you got to read it with a dictionary And I'm reading all these different things. And eventually, after a few months of that, I could tell, this is not helping me. I got a head full of stuff, but my heart's not any better off. Did you hear what I said? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've learned some big words, but I don't have any more faith. And it's not, my heart is not any better. My spirit. And and I'm thinking, well, I want to be thorough. And then the Lord spoke to me in a time of prayer. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but this is what he said to me. He said, son, I have many men and women of mine that are doing mighty works and leading mighty works in my name. I could have sent you to and joined you to any one of them had I so chosen. But I chose to send you to this. That was Brother Kenneth Hagin. So you send you to this man and join yourself to him. Find out what I gave him. That's what I want you to get. If I would have wanted you to get something else, I'd have sent you somewhere else. Or are you listening? And I had heard a lot of what he had taught and preached, but it dawned on me you hadn't scratched the surface. Of what I've given him. Delve into it. Meditate on it. I've called you to emphasize this. That doesn't mean that's all there is. That doesn't mean it's the only thing that's good. It doesn't mean it's better than everybody else. It means this is what's for you. This is what I've joined you to. This is what's right for you. And man, I got on that again. And I'm telling you, got stirred up, fired up again. I began to get more joy and, and more faith. Why? This is where God joined me. Doesn't mean I'm to feel superior to anybody else. God joins somebody else somewhere else. Then that's their place. They'll feel the same way about that. I do about my place. And we're supposed to. And I'm to respect that. They're to respect mine. Oh, but when I unhook from where God joined me. And I try to do something of my own plan. There's no grace. There's no grace. There's no anointing. 
There's no progress. I'm trying to do something he didn't tell me to do. It's going to be laborious. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. And that's where many are. They're saved. They love God. But they're out of his perfect will. And it's a struggling place. Oh, there's a place, though. There's a place that's right in that little hollow portion. (laughs) The center of the perfect will of God for your life. And in that place, the grass is greener. The sky is bluer. Everything looks better. Everything works like it's supposed to. Oh, you still have some challenges, but you'll have grace to overcome them. Yeah, you still have some issues, but you'll have the anointing to overcome. Somebody say, in the middle of the perfect will of God. Now, the devil knows that you're a problem to him when you're in that place. Because you're anointed, and you're able, and you're strong. So he will do anything he can to get you out of your place and separate him from the people and the ministries and the places that he joined you to. Don't fall for it. I said, don't fall for it. Being offended, getting mad, getting hurt, not wanting to submit, not getting your own way. All these things are pride is reasons why millions have jumped out of their place. And they're unhappy. They're doing a lot of crying and struggling. They're trying to blame other people. But it don't make them feel any better. You can blame everybody you want to. It won't make you feel any better. It won't fix it. Friend, it's worth biting your lip, humbling yourself, doing what you got to do to stay in your place. I'm talking from experience. There's been a few places in our life and ministry where I came and fell across the bed and cried and said, God, I'm requesting a transfer. And you know what he said? Deny. Deny. <laughs> what do you do now? If you love God and you're committed to God, there's nothing left to do except obey. Gird up your loins like a man. Wipe your little tears off. Quit being a whiny baby. <laughs> Get up and do your job. And oh, I am so Glad by the grace of God that we didn't jump out of where we were supposed to be in different times, even though some of it was very uncomfortable. When I say very uncomfortable, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. Paul talked about times where he was pressed beyond measure. There's been times I wondered how I'd make it till the next morning. But he that endures to the end shall be saved and every time you pass a test there comes a promotion I said every time every time and what a lot of folk don't realize that's what's going on when you're being tempted and pushed and pressed you're up for a promotion you're right up to it but the Lord's got to have a legal right to do it If he's going to promote you and use you and bless you in a greater way and more than he does somebody else, he's got to have a right to do it. And the only right is that you pass tests that other people didn't. Realize what's going on. 
when you're pushed and pressed and you're mad and you're upset and you've got your feelings hurt and you just want to quit and you just want to jump out and you want to do something else, realize promotion time. It's promotion time. How many of you can shout through your tears right there? You go, glory to God. It's promotion time. All I got to do is hang in here and pass the rest of this test. And there's a promotion on the other side of this thing. Yeah, so many don't though. So many quit. Many, 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 many quit. Somebody say, not me. Not me and not Ruth. I like this girl. How about you? I like this girl. This girl's got something in her. She's a single woman. She's a widow. She's about to leave the country where her family is. She's not going to know a soul. She's hooked up with a woman that apparently has no money and no future. And yet, (laughs) she said, I'm here. Don't ask me to go. And so they went to the new land. How many understand she's a Moabite? People look at her sideways here. A lot of these folk in this day, they had very much a, a, you talk about prejudice. Whew. Oh man, you were looked down on as a dog because of being a Moabite. And they, when they'd walk down the street, people at New Ruth would go, oh, there's Ruth. And what's she doing with a Moabite girl? And you know, she got some of this. Different places and different times. But she stayed right steady. Stayed right there. And when they came to the land, down in verse uh, 2, chapter 2, and verse 2, Ruth the Moabite, as soon as they got there, she said to Naomi, I can't sit around the house and watch TV. <laughs> There ain't nothing going on here. You don't need me. We passed by out there the other day, and they're getting in crops. Let me go out there. So she went out there, and we know she was a fine-looking woman. But she went out there and messed up her nails. (laughs) And messed up her hair. And sweat all her makeup off. Come on now. She said, I got to go to the field and glean ears of corn. And she said, well, go on, my daughter. And she went and she came to a field and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. How many know that was not an accident? What if she's sitting at the house watching soap operas? Huh? What? What if she said, well, I'm looking for a job, but not hard labor in the field. I mean, I have skills. It's hard to steer a parked car. Have anybody found that out? Hard to steer a parked car. Hard to guide an idle Christian. God's going to guide you and steer you, you need to be moving. Even if you don't know exactly where to go, step out by faith somewhere to do something. She didn't have a thus saith the Lord. She just said, they're working out there and I'm sitting in here doing nothing. 
I'm going to go work. Nobody said they're going to pay her. She's expecting to pick up some leftovers. Isn't she? Some stuff they're not going to use and need. And she can gather up some of that. And she figures that's far superior to sitting around in the house all day. Somebody say amen. 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 And you know the story. Boaz came out. And he noticed her. And he said, who is this girl? Verse 6. How many of those two things caught his eye? Huh? Two things. For one thing, there wouldn't have been any looks to notice if she hadn't been diligent. Nothing to notice. She wouldn't even have been there. But she was out there. Her diligence caught his eye and her appearance caught his eye. And so he said, what about this girl? And they said, well, it's that Moabitish girl. See, prejudice. It's that Moabite girl. Came back with Naomi. Out of the country of Moab. 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 And she said, you know, I pray you. She was polite. Would you allow me to glean and gather after the reapers? So she came and she has continued even from the morning till now. Out in the hot sun. Staying right with it. Somebody say diligent. 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 Now, I don't know what she was doing. She was married. You know, they had a family. I don't know how prosperous they were before. I don't know what she's used to, but I know what she's doing now. Working. Somebody say working. And she is steady after it all morning long in the hot sun. He invited her to lunch, you remember. And she came. He gave her some extra food. And God's already working here for her. And down in verse uh, 7. We saw she continued from the morning until now. And then down to verse 12. He said the Lord recompense your work. And a full reward. Be given you of the Lord God of Israel. Under whose wings you are come to trust. Why is she out there working hard? Because she had faith in God. She believed something was going to work out for her. She wasn't going to sit around twiddling her thumbs. She got up and hit it. And she's working all day. Scraps. She's gathering scraps. And she stayed with it all day. And if you look down to the uh, 17th verse. So she gleaned in the field unto even. And beat out that after she worked for 12, 14 hours. Then she beat it out. This gal is not afraid of work. I said this girl is not afraid of work. Are we looking at diligence? Are there any rewards of diligence? Back up to verse 12. What did the man speak by the word of the Lord? The Lord recompense your work. And a full reward be given you of the Lord God of Israel. Under whose wings you are come to trust. You know the rest of the story. Boaz. Something happened to him. She got in his mind and in his heart. He didn't care if she was Moabite. And you know the story. He went and he said, there's a kinsman closer to you. And he gave the opportunity, you know, for this kinsman to buy Ruth's mother's, Naomi's property. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I want that. He said, well, now, you know, when you get that, you got to get the Moabite woman too. He said, oh, no, no, I ain't marrying no Moabite woman. And he said, the deal's off. He said, no, you take her if you want to. He said, good. 
And so he, <laughs> it's exactly what he expected to happen. And so you know the story. He married her. Skip on over to the fourth chapter. He married her. Somebody say diligence. And what else? Reward. 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 Chapter four. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. When he went to her, the Lord gave her conception. She bare a son. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, which has not left you this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel. How many know just like that, all their financial problems are gone. He's the wealthiest man in the community and the most respected man in the community. I mean, they go from nothing, picking up scraps off the side of the field to being most noble woman in the community. And she's a Moabite. Look at the rest of the story. She had a son. Naomi took the child and became a nurse to it. The women said, there's a son born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. Wonder if you'd have just sat in the house and did her nails. You wouldn't be reading about Ruth. You'd be reading about somebody else. Oh, can you see it, friends? A Moabite who should have nothing to do with the lineage of the Christ has become Jesus' great, 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 great grandma. Why? There was something in her heart. Come on now. There was something in her. There was something in her. That when it got rough and it was uncomfortable, she didn't quit. She said, no, I'm with you. God hooked me here and I'm staying here. Don't ask me to leave. I'm here. And then when she showed up, she wasn't too good. Didn't feel above doing anything. She went out there. It was risky in some ways for her to go out there. But she went out there. She wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. Wasn't afraid to sweat. Wasn't afraid to pick up scraps. And the next thing you know, Ruth, the Moabitess, is in the eternal lineage of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And lived like a queen the rest of her mortal life. Are there benefits of diligence? Both here and now. And then and there. Stand up on your feet everybody. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you master. Thank you master. Oh just begin to praise the Lord some tonight. Begin to give him glory. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we worship you. You are our God. There is no other. None other, none other, none other. We are committed to you. We are hooked to you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, just lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Sing out loud. Praise God right out loud. Lord, you're the faithful God. Those that are faithful to you. Oh, those that believe in you and follow you. You are faithful too. You reward them. You reward us. 
Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify and praise and bless you. Oh, oh, we praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, oh, I praise you, oh, I praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Close your eyes for a moment. Let's close your eyes. The word offense, offended in the Bible, if you look it up, it literally means a snare. Or a trap. Paul writing to the saints. Galatia. He said you were running a good race. Who did hinder you? When you start out to obey the Lord. You start out to commit to him. He tries to put snares in your way. Things to trip you up. And snare you up. To cause you to quit. To cause you to turn aside. And many times they are in this. Offense area. No matter what people have done, God did not fail you. Can you say amen? amen? No matter what somebody, if somebody said something they shouldn't have said or didn't do something you thought they should have done or, or whatever, still that does not justify you stopping serving the Lord, ceasing from pursuing Him. Oh, we need to say it before the Lord. We need to say it like Ruth said it. Everybody say it out loud. Lord, I will not be moved. My heart is steadfast. My eyes are on you. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Where you join me, I'm joined. Where you put me. There I am. I will follow you forever. You are my God for eternity. Hallelujah. Oh, I follow you. I stay with you. I follow you fully. I follow you steadfastly. You are my God. You are my God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.